Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Bibles, and, and we'll turn to Luke chapter 19. I actually got three verses that I'm going to look at, or four, right quick this morning. We'll start out in Luke. It may be easier to just look on the screen as far as going in four different places. In Luke chapter 19, verse 8, you'll find, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And then we go to John chapter 4, verses 28 through 30. It says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. Then in Luke chapter 17, verses 15 and 16, we have this, and it said, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And then we look in Mark chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. It says, And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed, begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you. You may ask, what do these scriptures this morning have in common as we read them from different books and also different stories that we find in the scripture? But the thing that they have in common is all of the scriptures represent the moment that each one of these people met the Lord. It represents that moment in their life that they had that one-on-one with Christ. Represents, er, represents that day that Jesus walked into their life. How many know the Lord made an effort to go into their lives? It didn't happen by accident, but Jesus made special effort to have a conversation with these people. And these stories represent each one of those, that moment that Jesus came into their lives. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you this morning can remember that moment that Jesus came into your life to stay? What a moment that was. The title of my message this morning is, is this, savor the moment. Savor the moment. That moment. That moment that you just thought of. To savor that moment. In psychology, savoring the moment refers to intentionally focusing your attention on that positive aspect of an experience. When you do this, you notice the sensation, perceptions, emotions, actions, and thoughts that are linked to that particular moment, event, or experience. When you savor that moment, it has something that is connected to you, and you remember as if it was yesterday. That very moment. So as we savor that moment in these four that we read about this morning, hopefully it will help us to also savor the moment that Christ came into our lives. 
Now, I don't know about you, but life, you know, it seems like distance often causes us to forget certain things. It forgets what we felt like on that moment. And, and sometimes if we don't take a moment and savor it, we, we just seem to get away from what it happened that day. And I think it's a healthy thing as a Christian to remember and savor the moment that you got saved. That moment that Jesus done something in your life. And so we're going to look at these moments in these people's lives. Now I'm not, thank God, I'm not going to preach everything about each one of these stories. I'm going to pull something out of each one of them. Four different things this morning that I think that you and I can glean off just savoring their moment for them. The first thing is this change is the norm when we surrender to Christ. Change is the norm when we surrender to Christ. Luke 19.8, Zacchaeus, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, that may not sound like much to some of us, but listen, that was a miraculous thing for that little short feller. Amen? It was something that was people couldn't believe that he was doing. It was something that his neighbors said, Are you lost? Have you lost your mind? Because they knew this man. Listen, he was a cheat. He was a tax collector. How many of you love tax collectors? Nobody in the house. He was somebody that was greedy. Life was all about money and he did not care who he hurt to get more money. He got more than the taxes that he was to collect. He also charged extra just for being the tax collector. I'm saying Zacchaeus was not very popular among the normal people. Zacchaeus wasn't appreciated. And Zacchaeus had a reputation I love the, the, the series, if you, if you watched them, The Chosen, and you can kind of get an idea what Zacchaeus' life was like when you, you, you watch the life of Matthew walking through there. He had nicer clothes, and he'd walk through, he lived in a nicer house. He, wasn't, he didn't have much respect from anybody around the community, but I'm going to tell you, his heart was all about that money business until Jesus got into his life. Zacchaeus was the same way. He had a, he had a bad reputation in the community. But the Bible here says that he did something different. This verse speaks of a change in his life after a moment with Jesus Christ. After a moment with the Lord. Did you know what happened to Zacchaeus is clearly spoken in Scripture? I sometimes we forget that as Christian people when we are trying to win somebody or we see somebody that needs the Lord, we forget the fact that God is in the changing business. And we try to hold judgment over them for what they've done in their past when we should say, hey, Jesus can change who you are. Jesus can make you a different person and, and make you live different and help you live in a different way. And Zacchaeus surely experienced that, that change that God wanted him to have in his life. We know that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. My friend, that speaks of change. 
That speaks of a sinner coming into being somebody that God would want them to be. It speaks of something happening in their life. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 12. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that scripture. Every time I read it, I think I used it a while back, but I love it when it says, and such were some of you. How many know that speaks change? Come on, I was once that person, but now I'm this person. I once was that person that did those awful things, but now I'm this person because Jesus, I love the next part of that scripture because it says this, but you were washed. Come on, how many have been washed in the blood this morning? Been all the blood of Jesus has come down upon you, but you were sanctified. That means you were set apart, but you were justified in the name of the Lord. And by the Spirit of our God, there has been a change that has happened in your life. Come on, when we, when we, uh, we save the moment of Zacchaeus, we've truly got to say there was a change in the man. Amen? There was a change. I believe there's got to be a change in a person when they get to knowing the Lord. It has been said that every professing Christian needs three conversions. Because see, in the Christian world, we call this change being converted. That's some Christian language. And that means a change is actually what it's talking about. It has been said that every professing Christian needs three of these. Be converted to Jesus Christ. Be converted to the church and through baptism, thus identify with the community of the church. Be converted to the world that it re, that this that is return to the world as a Christian, not as what you were, but what God has made you to be. I'm going to tell you, all those around Zacchaeus thought, "What in the world has happened to him?" And they knew that Jesus came to his house that day for tea. I don't know if it was tea or not, but that's what I learned when I was little. But there was a change. A change. Arthur, pastor and one-time atheist, Lee Traubel, says this in one of his sermons. Traubel. How can I tell you the difference God has made in my life? My daughter, Allison, was five years old when I became a follower of Jesus. And all she had known in those five years was a dad who was profane and angry. I remember I came home one night and kicked a hole in the living room wall just out of anger with life. I am ashamed to think of the times Allison hid in her room to get away from me. Five months after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the little girl went to my wife and said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what He's done for my daddy. At age five, what was she saying? She never studied the Bible and knew no theology or regarding the truth of the Bible. All she knew was her dad used to be this way, hard to live with, but more and more her dad is becoming different. And if that is what God does to people, then sign me up, she said, at five years old. She's seen a change in her dad. And then he went on and said, God changed my family, He changed my world, and He changed my eternity. Come on, we, we've got a message of people changing. Amen? I don't believe in just stay in your old sin and God's going to keep you. I believe it's got to be a change. 
Psalms 19.7 says that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So as we take that moment to savor the moment in Zacchaeus' life, we can truly say, I know it's just one part of it, but he was changed that moment. I ask you this morning in this house and in this place, are you still living your life like you have been changed? From that moment with Christ. Are we still living our lives that way? That's an interesting question because sometimes life gets us kind of converting back into who we used to be. Amen? Stuff that we let go that day sometimes kind of creeps back in on us. And before we know it, we've got a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of the world back in us. Are we still living like we've been changed that moment? Next. Let me tell you about my Jesus becomes our mission. Let me tell you about my Jesus becomes our mission. John 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 28 and 30, it says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who's told me all things that I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to Him. I'll give you a little history of the woman, and we all know this. This woman had, had no other people at the well. She went out to avoid all these people at that time. She went and collected water at a time of the day that most people would not collect because she was not living her life right. She had already had several relationships with men, and the one she was living with was not her husband. She would had divorces in her life, all these things. So back then, that was considered a shameful thing. And so she went out to get well when none of the other women were there. Because she didn't want to listen to what all they had to say, but she was ashamed of her lifestyle. But she had this moment with the Lord, this time, this savor, the moment with the Lord that was such a revelation to her that she believed Him and all He said. There was a moment in that woman's life at that well that she understood Jesus to be the Messiah and Jesus to be the one that said, hey, I know you're making about this temple, that temple, but there's coming a day when we would worship Him anywhere. Aren't you glad we can worship Him in this gym today? Amen. Amen. She had a revelation of Christ. She understood Him to be the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? He's the one coming. And He's going to rule for that millennium period. He's the one that's going to come and literally set Israel completely free one day. Israel will never be taken again because the Messiah is coming. Whoa! Do we have the revelation of Jesus today in our life? Who it is? He's not just something the church has made up. But He is the King of kings. The Lord of lords. He's the Son of the living God. He is the one that gave His life. Life for you and me. What a revelation to know who Jesus is. She had that moment in her life that the, the Messiah is talking to her. Come on, if you had a moment in your life that you haven't forgotten, it had to be something that really impacted your life at that moment. Amen? Impacted your life. I can still remember my first kiss. I didn't marry her. I didn't kiss my wife until, until we got married. 
Listen to that, teenagers, because she wasn't my wife before that. <laughs> you got it. We have those moments. This moment was in this lady's life at that very moment. And it had changed her. How did it change her? It got her over her fear of the women in the community. It got her over her coming to the well at noon. And she went, the Bible says she went into that community and she says, you got to come see Jesus. I'm going to tell you that moment in her life got her past her fear. What? Of really understanding who it is that we serve and the power of He that we proclaim as King of kings and Lord of lords. She got past her fear of that community and says, come and see a man. Come and see a man that's told me all that I've done. It changed her. Notice the Lord did not have to tell her to go. If you read the scripture there, the Lord didn't say, hey, why don't you go in and tell everybody else I'm the Messiah out here at the well. He didn't have to tell her. She was so impacted at that moment in her life that she went on her own. She didn't need a preacher saying, y'all need to go out and talk to people. Somebody, amen over there. I think it was the other preacher. But it impacted her so much that she had to tell somebody about Jesus. That moment. Come on, how, how many remember that in your moment? That you just needed to tell somebody that you met the Messiah. Come on, am I the only one that when I first got saved, my word, I needed to tell somebody I just met Jesus. Come on, she had the same effect. She, Jesus said he, didn't, he had to talk to the disciples because they still had some issues. And she went out and told everybody. And listen, the Bible says the whole crowd came that way. Many people came. And then Jesus, the Bible says also, that many of them that also heard believed in that moment. See, it's part of Scripture that way. I think we've all been down that road, but we find it even with the disciples in John chapter 1, verses 43 through 45. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida in the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What happened there? Philip... Found, or Jesus found Philip, and Philip had to go find Nathaniel. He says, I want to introduce you to the Christ. It was part of that experience. It was part of that moment. It was something that came out of that moment that he met the Lord. He says, I must go find Nathaniel and share who I just met. Called missions. See, this is exactly how the church grew. Exactly. They didn't have the over they didn't have the screens. They didn't have someone out there typing in 100 ways to grow your church and all that. Pay me 3000 bucks. They were just excited from the moment that they met Jesus and just started sharing Jesus Christ. I'm I'm telling you the Bible tells us in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The power. The power unto salvation. 
Come on, we got to believe in the power. Every time I get in my GMC and I start that puppy up and I get ready to go, I push down the foot pedal believing in the power that's under that hood. Amen? And sure enough, when I do it, it goes. And if it doesn't go, I'm going to check it out and see what's wrong with it. I'm going to tell you, we must believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She believed in the power of meeting the Messiah, and she had to tell somebody. And the Lord gave us a message, Jesus saves, hallelujah. And there's power when you let it come out of your mouth. But we got to remember, we must let it come out and share the Word of God. There's power in it. Power in it. But sometimes we get fearful. We say, well, I just don't know. I don't want them all to judge me. Let them judge you. Amen. Amen. Share the word. She could care less. She went into heaven. God got her rid of all that. Listen, she was being judged tremendously. That's why she was out at the well. But now she went in and said, let me tell you about my Jesus. And then she wrote the song. (laughs) But she was telling the Lord. Amen. The next thing. A true moment with Christ will yield worship unto Him. A true moment with Christ will yield worship unto Him. Now look at the story here. This is amazing. Luke 17, 15 through 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorifying God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Listen, this man had just been healed from an uncurable disease. You know, sometimes it's all right to get a little exciting when God actually touched you or kept you or, 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 or worked through your situation. It's all right to get a little bit emotional. Amen. The Bible says, here's, here's what was taking place. This leopard, there was, there, was, there was ten of them, I believe it was. And one of them, as he was walking toward the temple, he looked down at his hand and seen the leprosy gone. And he looked at his other hand. And, and he didn't have a mirror, he didn't have an iPhone to take a selfie, or anything like that. But as he was walking, he noticed the leprosy was out of his, or leaving his body. And he turned around, and he went back work from that moment that he had met the Lord Jesus Christ, that moment that he had been healed, that moment that God had done a miraculous thing, and, and healed him from an incurable disease, and then... Hallelujah. He gave worship because of what God had done in his life. He glorified God. I'm going to tell you, you and I have been healed from an incurable disease and that disease is sin. There was nothing that can wash us clean. But Jesus Christ on that moment of our meeting Him came in and washed us clean of a sin that would have brought death. But now we have life through Jesus abundantly because the Lord is King of kings. It's in that moment that worship, I'm going to tell you, when I got saved, I boo-hooed for a little while, and then I shouted for a while. <laughs> Come on, I, yeah, I was, a, I was a sight at the altar, <laughs> but I could care less because I knew what God had just lifted up off my shoulders, all that guilt, <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm about to get it again. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, there was that worship that took place when you got saved. Now some of you got different personalities. I get that. If you haven't noticed yet, my wife has a different personality than I do. She's quiet and reserved. 
But she can be just as worshiping as much as I with her hand lifted up and tears falling down her cheek. And every now and then, I mean, the other day I was down here at this altar with Brother Eccles and, and she started kind of speaking in tongues and a little exciting and I'm going, wow. But I'm going to tell you, that didn't, say, that didn't make me think, well, she hadn't been worshiping the Lord. Everybody has their own personality. Amen. If you haven't noticed, I'm a little more outgoing probably. I don't know. I didn't hear that. <laughs> Loud, that's it. Loud. But I'm saying this morning is this very thing. And this is what we find in this story. That at that moment with the Lord and what God had done in His life, it brought worship unto Jesus. At that moment, He worshipped Jesus for what He did, but also for who He was and who He is. He knew He was the King of kings because nobody could heal anybody of leprosy. That moment that just weighs in and it brings back and brings that, that, that moment you just know it had to be God. Come on. That centering moment. Let me, let me give you a few examples here. Deceitful old Jacob encountered a, a, a presence that would not go away one night as he slept fitfully beneath the clockwork of the stars. Remember that in Genesis 32, Jacob had an experience that night. Young Samuel, aide to old Eli in the temple, heard a disturbing voice and he thought it was a priest and ran to Eli's cot, but it was not. After the third call, Eli counseled him to say, Lord, speak, Lord, for thy servant here. That was a centering moment in his life. Saul found the Lord, or rather he was overtaken by him on the road to Damascus when Jesus, Jesus interrupted him. And he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul's name was changed to Paul later, and he became the most powerful Christian of all times, save Christ Himself other than the Lord. But it made a moment in his life. A centering moment came to Martin Luther on a sultry day in the July of 1505. While walking a dusty road, a thunderstorm developed, and a bolt of lightning fell him and, and struck him. Confused and in pain, he cried, saying, Ann, help me, I will become a monk. And Luther kept his word, but at last, this spacious spirit sought greater freedom than the Roman church offered. That moment that lightness struck him, it was a centering moment. All these examples, that moment is what brought them to that moment of worship in the Lord throughout their life. It brought worship within them. Because of that centering moment in their life. Do you remember the centering moment that we worship Christ or you worship Christ the first time? Do you remember that moment in your life that you lifted up your hands as a Christian unto the Lord? And you cried, oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Oh, oh Lord. I don't know why you saved me, but God, I worship you and I praise you. Do you remember that moment in your walk in salvation? Oh, you went down on your knees as a sinner, but you got up as a child of God and lifted your hands for the first time. Oh, that moment 
Come on, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't want to ever forget that moment that I worshiped the Lord. That moment that Jesus came into my life. And I fear for this that I forget. Psalms 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. The next thing that we look at is His will becomes our duty. His will becomes our duty. Mark chapter 5, 18 through 20, it says this, And when He got into the boat, He who had been demon-possessed begged Him that He might be, be with Him. However, Jesus did not permit Him, but said to Him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things that the Lord has done for you and how He has had compassion on you. And listen to verse 20. And He departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for Him and all marveled. Listen, when you read the story, He wanted to do His own thing. Alright, I got Jesus, I'm going to go do my own thing. His own thing, He just wanted and hang out with, He just wanted to go hang out with the Lord. After all, Jesus has just delivered Him from not one demon, but a legion of demons. Come on, this man was a, a nightmare for the community. He went around cutting himself and they were scared to death of Him. How many of you have seen someone that's really demon-possessed and it's outward all the time on them? This is what it was in this guy's life. There wasn't those settled moments that he was like, oh, I'm all perfectly normal. He was so bad, he was living in the tombs. And Jesus showed up on the shore, not by accident, by purpose, and He delivered him from all those things, and now he wants to go hang out with the Lord. Hey, not bad. He just wanted to go and, 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 and hang out with the Lord and really not do anything but just be in the presence of the Lord. Come on, how many of you like the presence of God? How many sometimes know that we take the, the Scripture about Mary and too, too literally, sometimes we do need to get up and be a Martha? Oh, let me ask this side. Sometimes we do need to get up and be a Martha, right? Sometimes we need to get involved. But see, this is the thing. Yet Christ had a mission for Him. He had a purpose. Did you know every one of us have a purpose in this room? My purpose is different than yours, but every one of us have a purpose in the kingdom of God. And sometimes we remember that when we first get saved, and sometimes we forget. He told this guy, he told him to go back to his people. He basically, to the people that he's tormented, he says, go tell them what great things Christ has done in your life. And the Bible said he went and done that in verse 20. Can I tell you this morning that There's never a time to really retire from doing something in God's kingdom. I was reading in Deuteronomy, and I read this about Moses. He says, Moses was 120 years old, and when he died, his eyes were not dim, nor his nature vigor dimished. But also, listen to this, Paul served the Lord until the day he died. Come on, he, he might have changed a little bit, but he served the Lord until the day he died, and his zeal was just as, just as strong as it was in the day that he met Jesus on the road to Damascus to serve the Lord. Come on, it didn't, it didn't get less. 
All the apostles served the Lord until they died with the same zeal to the very day that they met their death on the cross. Or wherever it was that they were crucified, or however they met their death, they served the Lord with the same zeal all the way to that moment. What do we get from this story is this, that the Lord expects us. Expects us to serve. He expects us to find a place. Whatever we may do, it may not look like something we've done when we were 30, but there's still things to do. Amen? There's still things to be involved in. This guy, when he had that meeting with the Lord, he went to serving the Lord. Why did he do that? Because the Lord told him that. Told him to do it. There was a man named Demas. He's mentioned the Bible three times by Paul. The first time is around AD 60 or 61. Paul's in Paul's epistle to Philemon. Which he's also mentioned with Mark and Luke at that very time. I don't know about you, but if they're writing something, I wouldn't, be mind, I wouldn't mind having my name next to Mark and Luke. Amen? And they say, who's Billy? Well, he was there with Mark and Luke. <laughs> Demas was mentioned with Mark and Luke. He was serving Paul in his first imprisonment, his first stint in Rome, and Demas was found there in the midst of that, that imprisonment where Paul was kind of under home arrest. And he was there serving, they were preaching, they were teaching the gospel. And when Paul wrote the letter, he says, Hey, Demas is here with Mark and Luke. Speaks of his servanthood. The next time we find about Demas, it's in AD 61 in Paul's epistle to the Colossians. It's also during this first stint in prison. And it says Luke and others in that one. He's mentioned with the same people at that very moment. What I hear about Demas, Demas was a man that had an encounter with the Lord. And he says, Lord, take me. Let me do whatever you want me to do. I will serve you. I will be your man. I will help Paul. Whatever you want me to do. If it's sweeping the floor, Lord, I'm going to do it. That came out of that encounter that he had with the Lord. But listen to what happens. The third time he's mentioned. This is around A.D. 66 and 67. Paul had been released from prison for a little while, but now he's back. There's persecution. Things have changed for the Christians in Rome. And they were being persecuted and actually some slaughtered and some hurt. And this time, Paul writes to 2 Timothy or, 2, or Timothy in the, in the second epistle, and he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. He's talking to Timothy. He says, come to me quickly. For Demas, who? The same one that had been serving good. The same one that has served him in the first stint of prison. For Demas has forsaken me. Now listen to what he says it's for. Having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. What I find here, I find a person that was really serving God. And all of a sudden, I realize the things have changed for Paul. Instead of being in a house arrest, he's in a dungeon, but things are, but when things got tough, they walked out. When things got difficult in their life, they quit serving God. 
And Paul's pleading for some help. Timothy, come and bring Mark with you also in the second stint of mine. I mean, oh, Mark got an issue with, with Paul when he was on his first missionary and left and, and there was this great contention before between him and, and, and Barnabas. But somewhere, Mark quit, but Mark got back into business. Now, Demas was working well, but now he's not working. In the Bible, you can interpret however you want to because there's many different takes having loved this present world. But sometimes it's the world that keeps us from doing what God had called us to do. Sometimes it's the world that we get more involved in than what we do in the church. Sometimes it's in the world that has drawn us away from serving God. But yet when we first got saved, when Demas first got saved, it was all about God and God's kingdom. And now Paul says, he's forsaken me. I want to ask you this morning, are we still looking to serve the Lord? Some way? Somehow? Are we still looking for that moment that we can serve God just as much as we served Him on that day that we got saved? I didn't know what I was going to do. All I knew is I wanted to do something. Amen? I want to do something for God's kingdom. And somewhere in there along the line, if we're not careful, we can let things of the world, you know, you can let offense get a hold of you. You can let, I'm just going to take a little vacation and never come back. I would like to do that. Come on, I just need a little rest, but yet you haven't been back to teaching since you took that rest. All right, I'm going to go on. Okay. My deal is this, I just brought four of those things up this morning. Four of them. And it all comes from this moment of savor the moment. Savor the moment. Why am I preaching this? Because I've had times in my life, literally, that I have to go back to that moment. I have to go back to that moment that Jesus saved my soul. And I have to remember, Jeannie, what He done for me. I have to remember how he pulled me out of that horrible pit and he pulled my feet up out of that miry clay, Brother Eddie. And he put me on a rock to show me the way. Amen? I have to remember what he did because sometimes, see, I get slack. Sometimes I forget what the Lord's done in my life. And sometimes I let, and when I get to that point, then I let people get on my nerves. Come on, then I let just working get on my nerves. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes I get that way, and I think all of us know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I'm even, you're more attracted just to the, the business of ministry than you are the minister, the King of Kings. And when we get there, then we're not involved like we ought to, and, 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 and it's hard to even get you motivated. And sometimes we need to go back and savor the moment in our life that Jesus came into our heart. Savor the moment. What happened that day? What changed in your life that day? What made you the new man that you are now? What made you that person? And what was your objective and your, your direction? Where was you going? Are you going backwards or are you going forward? Sometimes we've got to savor that moment that we can get back where God God wants us to be. Every one of us have a tendency to be complacent. And every one of us have a tendency not to get into His presence if we're not careful. And every one of us will ignore altar calls that we know that God is saying, get down here and get right. Get back to that moment that you have savored. Pastor Oliver, if you'll come.
We've all been there. Preachers get there. Teachers get there. Mom and dad get there. But I have found in my life that if I'll savor that moment, I can almost breathe, I, I can just almost see that moment. Sitting on the right-hand side of the sanctuary in Spearman, Texas. Swamp cooler. Blowing on that right side. They had swamp cooler air conditioners. My hair actually moved. <laughs> I savor that moment. I still see big Jim Wilson preaching with his pants. And, and his pants are up right here around his belly button. Thinking, I'm hoping those don't fall. I remember him and his family singing. And I remember after they got through singing, he started preaching. I remember that. Those moments are just as clear in my mind as other moments in my life. It's that moment. And I remember the moment I had with the Holy Spirit. How we had a conversation. What about my family? What about my friends? What about my direction? And the Holy Spirit says, come. I remember that moment. And I remember how the Lord that day literally took those sins up off of me. And I cried. Oh, I cried. And I cried. And I savored that moment. My hands were up in the air and I worshiped my God. And I could savor that moment because, you know, that day, from that moment, I changed who I hung out with. I changed what I would listen to. I changed a lot of things in my life. And sometimes when those things start to try to pull back in, I got to go to that moment, Christina, in my life. And sometimes I say, oh, God, renew that in me what I had that morning. Remove, renew that in me, that moment that you washed my sins away like that river we talked about this morning. Because it's in those moments of savoring that life starts to stir back up. Life starts to stir back up in you. And it's in those moments. Every head bowed just for a moment. I just want you to take a moment right now. I want you to reflect back right now on that day that you asked Jesus Christ into your heart. That day that you know that your life was changed. That day, reflect back on it just for a moment. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship, I want to pray with you. I want your moment to be this moment that you savor this moment this morning. If that's you, raise your hand. If you need Jesus in your life right now, raise your hand because I, I want to pray with you this morning. But I want you to go back. Some of you are going back to when you was just a kid. Some of you are going back to a moment where Christ got a hold of you. Where's that moment? Now that you're in that moment, I want to ask you, are you still living a changed life? Are you still living with that fervency that you lived for God at that moment? Are you still telling people about Jesus? And are you still worshiping the Lord? And are you still doing His will in your life? I want to ask you this morning right now. If you can say you're not doing one of those, then you need to get to doing it again in your life. Who say, Pastor, I need, I need work. Would you raise your hand right now? Would you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get back to some things in my life right now. Hallelujah. Fresh start. 
fresh anointing. Because see, we need to savor those moments in our life. We need to savor those moments that we can do what God has called us to do. Hallelujah.